Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, Feasible Applications of Virtual Reality as Part of MEWP Incident Prevention Strategies, sponsored by United Academy, powered by United Rentals. My name is Barry Botino, and I am an Associate Editor with Safety and Health Magazine. I'll be your moderator for today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I'd like to go over some preliminary items today. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the Council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll be conducting a question and answer session with our speaker. To ask a question at any time, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time at all during the presentation. You do not have to wait for the question and answer session to begin to ask your question. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible today. However, any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speaker. If you have any technical issues, during this webcast today, please refer to our helpful tips, which are located on the right-hand portion of your screen. And for basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located at the bottom of your screen. At the end of the webcast today, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, and I'll let you know more about that later. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view the, this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please visit our website at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let me introduce today's presenter. Our speaker today is Bell Guerrero. Bell is an experienced quality and safety director for United Academy, powered by United Rentals. He has worked for more than 20 years in diverse and challenging leadership positions in oil and gas, power generation, and heavy and industrial equipment retail industries. Bal has spent time with multinational companies that are leaders in their industries, and he has worked in North America, Europe, Latin America, and the Middle East. Again, we thank you all for tuning into this presentation today. And Bal, when you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, Barry, and good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this webinar. Um, I was first trained as a trainer in 1999, and during my career, I have been involved in the continuous education to become a more effective professional instructor and understand how that translates in uh, effective education in the different industries. What I'm going to try to do over the next uh, minutes is to share with you some of the things that we learn taking an innovative approach um, of Learn, in the learning field, uh, aiming to have our employees safer at their workplace. I've been involved in virtual, in, with virtual reality solutions in some capacity for the last 10 years, and in the last year, it has incremented substantially, especially for the aerial working platforms or MEWPs, as we have been working aggressively to develop a solution that will help the industries and our own company. We currently have a fleet of scissor and boom lift 
motion-based virtual reality simulators deployed in North America. And we just completed the development of the counterbalance and rough terrain forklift that we will be taking to market in 2020. What I'm gonna present you next is the result of a, these um, efforts to go to market with the aerial equipment simulators and the interaction with more than 200 customers in different parts of North America and with their feedback, here we are gonna start. As an important disclaimer, disclaimer mentioned by Barry as well, the information that we are about to review is the result of a particular work in this field um, that we have done that is combined with the accepted sources of knowledge in the industry and should be used only as reference and not as the absolute truth for future reference related to this field. Before we go through the learnings that we have in this, um, this type of training, we gotta start by understanding what virtual reality is as a common definition. You can find several definitions on what virtual reality is um, in the, coming from different sources, but in general, they refer to the immersive and interactive experience based on a graphic uh, 3D generated real-time um, experience. Um, this done by a computer, and in other words, it's a simulated generated uh, that pretends to show the real world or the closest to be um, what the real world experience will be. There are some key characteristics of virtual reality. One of them is the degree of immersion, and that is how it, the user perceives, feels the reality of the world that he has been immersed through this tool. The degree of interaction, and that is how the user is able to manipulate the virtual reality objects that he has around. And the third key characteristic is the degree of involvement, which is being inside a virtual world, how the interaction with those objects affects the outcome on that, on that different scenarios that um, are part of the real world. Virtual reality has been around for 35 years, but it's just with the development of the the uh, ne next generation of VR headsets, computing power, and the software needed to develop VR environments. That really, the, in the most recent re years, this has been um, made available for consumer-ready quality experiences. Um, so that really benefit what we are trying to achieve as well um, in in um, in the United Academy because we are looking to find ways to be more effective training, training um, for people and those that want to be trained by our company. So just want to make sure I mention that virtual reality in the last years has exponentially uh, improved in technology and software and with the computer capabilities that has been a really, really good scenario for developing solutions in virtual reality. So before we continue with any more slides? Um, now we want to do a question. 
for the audience. Um, so it's going to allow us to see how much involvement has um, the audience today had in the past in, uh, with virtual reality. So the question goes, are you using or do you know any other company that is using virtual reality simulators as a solution for their training needs? We're going to give you around 30 minutes, 30 seconds, I'm sorry, to answer this question, and then we will move to see the results. So please, when you have a chance, um, do answer this question, and we will review the results shortly. We are going to allow 10 more seconds for the answer uh, of this poll survey. And we are moving now to see what is the, the outcome. And as you can see in the screen, quite interestingly, we have 72% of those in this session um, that do not be, have not been involved in virtual reality or have not seen anybody else use it as the solution for their training needs. Um, and that is uh, very in line, by the way, with what we see in the different industries. So now, how does, and this, is, this is also some foundations to the learnings that we have going to market virtual reality. We, we need to talk about how does virtual reality work as a training tool? So there are different phases on skill development, as we know, from cognitive, that is when the learning is by an instructor and demonstration, associative, where the skills are learned, um, that, that were learned previously. Things that were learned previously by the learner are integrated um, to the things that they're going to learn now. And then the autonomous, where you know, performance becomes more automatic and routines are put into practice. So what we have seen, um, and it matches what the other people that had experience in virtual reality shows, is that as a best practice, the less realistic the simulators are, are more adequate to the first instructions or demonstrations, but as you get into more intermediate and advanced learning, that's where um, the um, more realistic feeling, uh, feeling like type of simulation uh, makes more sense together with this more realistic outcome of interaction with objects. Um, another thing that we have seen is that when you take the virtual reality um, scenarios as a training tool, um, it can be used in different stages of the workplace. In our experience, we have used the virtual reality to confirm that operators of aerial equipment, uh, as I mentioned right now, the virtual reality equipment that we have in the market um, with our customers is the aerial equipment um, um, virtual reality simulator. So what we have seen that the customers tell us is more acceptable to their needs, um, it's uh, to use it for very fine competency, very fine competency of operators that are just arriving to their workplace and that come with a card uh, that shows training, they 
want to be sure that that card and that operator actually have a certain level of competency. They have also used the virtual reality simulators. <clears throat> when there is a new operator that has never touched a piece of equipment, and it's a very nice transition between the theoretic, theoretic, theoretical knowledge to the actual practical. So what you do is <clears throat> you, you have the learner understanding the concepts on safe operation of equipment, <clears throat> then they go to the simulator and they get familiar with the controls and familiar with the outcome of moving the equipment in particular ways. And then when they feel comfortable and they have tested those abilities in, in the simulator and they feel comfortable, they can go to actually do the uh, evaluation to start their journey to be competent in a real equipment. Um, so that's, that's another way. Uh, the biggest limitation that we see on virtual reality training today is the industry, different industries' awareness to the, of the benefits and how it translates in value for all users. Um, we do believe that as more companies adopt this approach, VR will not only gain more acceptance in the industry, but it will be a moment where a tipping point will be reached and it will become the preferred option to confirm or improve operator skills. So we're gonna talk now about, is there any other reasons um, in addition to technological advance that are making virtual reality attractive for training purposes? Um, I think one of the key benefits of using virtual reality that we have, we have confirmed with our customers is the ability to have a more objective and accurate feedback based on any accepted training practices. You can have the simulator emulating scenarios and then you can test the reaction or the actions of the operators and, and have a consistent evaluation done over and over. Different, different trainers and different evaluators um, will may be able to see everything that the uh, learner is doing when they are testing their abilities, but there may be a, a reality that they are gonna miss some of the things, especially as they are not with them on the basket. And the other, part that is subjective is that different experiences by different trainers will consistently give you um, the, the touch of every trainer on the evaluation. With computers, it's different. With computers, it's different because when the VR equipment provides feedback to the learner, it does it with absolute precision of what has been done well and the opportunities for improvement. And that is all coming from the sensors that are um, on this equipment. Um, as I mentioned, the situational awareness of every trainer will determine how much of these uh, behaviors are catched by the trainer when the computer using the sensors will give you the same type of evaluation every time. So computers and sensors don't miss any behaviors and that becomes critical when you are trying to look for consistency in the training programs. One of the biggest challenges in training programs uh, for any industry is the consistency and repeatability. You wanna make sure that people learning, learn the same concepts and the proof that they have learned and they are competent is as consistent as possible. Um, and we know that's a challenge 
no matter what is the topic. And when you're talking about high-risk activities, that becomes even more critical because it can, it can translate on injuries, fatalities, or loss of production. So that's, uh, that's one of the key, the key reasons why we believe it becomes more attractive. It's just, it's just a better way um, to have consistency, consistency in the training and consistency in the evaluation of the abilities of everyone being trained. The other, um, and, and just to illustrate that a little more, I would like to quote the Federal Aviation of Administration. As you know, uh, commercial pilots, or private pilots, um, the aviation industry has adopted simulators for, for a long period of time now. Um, so this is, this is a quote for the, from the Federal Aviation Administration, say, here is the bottom line. Even if you can't log every hour that you spent on simulators to count towards your certification or rating as a pilot, training in a simulator can maximize your training time and minimize the money you spend by enabling you to learn procedures and master them in the actual plane. Another advantage is the ability to train when the weather is not cooperating or the aircraft is not available. And I want to mention, this is the other benefit our customers have actually confirmed. If you have a simulator, typically it will be in a, in a cover place. It will be in an office type of environment, although we have some construction companies that have used our simulators and they have any little trailers that are installed nearby where the construction workers are. Um, but that will be an enclosed environment so it's less likely that the weather will affect the simulator. It's less likely that the equipment will not be available to do the practice or evaluations. You know, every scissor lift, every boom lift, that is, um, um, and every piece of equipment in a construction site or, you know, in any industry, when those equipments are rented or their own utilization, is, is really critical. So having just the right number of equipment is very important for those uh, project managers or decision makers. So the simulators enables, any simulators will enable to not have the equipment, the real equipment being used for practice or evaluations. Instead, you can use the simulator and just at the right time, you translate that to a real equipment. So um, the final part of the quote of the Federal Aviation Administration says, using aviation training devices in virtual reality will save time, money, and the environment um, will be actually um, um, help in uh, and allow everyone to fly more safety, more safely. So translate to the aerial equipment. That's also what we believe. We believe uh, based on what we see from our the feedback from our customers is, is that it will allow um, companies to save time and money, and it will also it will also help everybody to operate in a safe in a safe manner. So then, what are the benefits? We have been touching some of those. Um, so what are the benefits of virtual reality training? Is that is that gonna make your people be safer? Is that gonna gonna achieve you to do have a more competent workforce in a less amount of time 
Is it because, as we said, because of the trainers, um, you know, not necessarily observing all the behaviors, but the actual simulator detecting every single behavior and giving positive or opportunity area feedback? I think the answer in all of them is yes. But the more important benefit, I think, that is driving the use of simulators um, is safety to reduce the number of incidents. And again, when you talk about aviation, we know how catastrophic aviation incidents can be. And that's, that's um, in construction. When you think on a cr in cranes, forklifts, scissors, boom lifts, the level of injury uh, or, or the magnitude of the incident ca can be really critical as well. And that's why simulation has been adopted. But the, the other thing that simulators can do is actually improve efficiency in operators. Why? Because the virtual reality simulators can actually measure the time that it takes to an operator to complete tasks. And it can identify that time compared with other operators. How is that time under the same circumstances? And this is where obviously looking for the safety first, but then understanding that every construction place or every workplace have efficiency goals and operators that are able to do the task in a standard time or better are always gonna be um, contributing to those goals in a better way than other operators that can be uh, doing it below the average time, um, above the average time. The other benefit, um, and that's part of the scoring system that we have adopted in the simulators that we have, it's, uh, it's including safety, efficiency, and proficiency factors, because the other benefit that we believe is proficiency, and that is how the operator is actually using the equipment, so the equipment requires less maintenance and repair. So the way that the, that the operator uses the equipment has a direct impact on how often do you need to maintain that equipment. Simulators can actually detect the good and bad behaviors and provide feedback to that operator. So just as a recap on this part, it's all about um, the benefits uh, being understood that obviously the main driver has in safety, but it can also help companies to have operators that are more efficient because they are doing their activities in standard or below average time and help companies save money in their maintenance program. Uh, because um, basically, if the behaviors of the operator are more consistent uh, uh, on taking care of the equipment, the needs of corrective and preventive maintenance will be less. And then um, something very important to mention is the limitations because it sounds great, but obviously there's a reason why the, the journey towards adopting simulators has not been overnight. Because uh, there, is, there is something that was identified since, the, since virtual reality-based um, concepts um, were adopted by the military in early days. And it was that if you have a, a screen that is showing a virtual world in where there is motion, but the, the 
person experiencing that virtual world is not moving, um, you can get a concept that is called a cyber sickness in, in the popular term. Uh, for, you know, at that time, we call it virtual reality sickness. It's when the brain doesn't match the, the sensation of being in movement with the sensors that say, yep, we're in movement. And eventually, those people can get sick as the people, it doesn't happen to everybody, but as the people that get motion sickness. And I want to quote an article from the New York Times that explains it really, really well. So in traditional motion sickness, the mismatch occurs because you feel the movement in your muscles and joints as well as in the intricate coils of your inner ear, but you don't see it. So that's when you're in a boat, you're feeling sick. If you don't, you don't see the, the, the movement, but you are actually feeling it, that's when people get emotional sickness. Um, and when getting up and going to the deck of the ship and looking in the horizon, that helps a lot of people feel better because when they look at the horizon, they can match what they see with what they feel in terms of movement. With digital motion sickness, it is the actual opposite because you see movement and like the turns and twists shown in a movie or a video game, car chase, you don't feel it. You see the movement, but you don't feel it and the result is the same as in regular motion sickness. You may have a conflict in the sensors that will make you feel uh, not easy. So, and for that, we, we have invested significantly. We learned from, from other industries that having motion-based simulators will help have less people that experience virtual reality um, uh, train solutions. Having, having a simulator that moves actually reduces to the minimal the amount of people that will experience um, digital motion sickness. And we, we probably have this year um, in the thousands, people experiencing the motion-based simulators for Caesar and Boondings, and we have very, very few cases in where they felt uh, there was a um, effect on their health. So that's, that's something, but I do wanna mention the, the um, there is out, out there, there are some simulators that are only, you know, non-motion based. You can see the screen or you can put some lenses on your eyes and they will simulate motion. And um, just, just be aware of those um, these different studies that can, have confirmed that that will increase the likelihood of people getting motion sick. Um, by no means, I want anybody on this um, webinar to believe um, what I'm trying to share here is, or similar is better than anybody else. No, what I'm trying to um, um, actually share here is what we learned, confirmed by science, but then when we took the simulator to market is, uh, you, you, you will be in a better shape if you, if you actually have a solution that includes physical movement with the, um, with the virtual reality world. Um, um, in your simulator. So this is like um, what we are going to review is, okay, so what did we learn from taking these simulators very aggressively to the market this year? 
I think we learned that while there are several applications, there are several applications that you can actually um, uh, use the simulators to help you in your training solutions, in your building competency solutions, confirming competency. There are some that the customers told us, yeah, I mean, these are the ones that we believe are going to be the winners. And that's what I want to share with you right now. Um, first, just, just as a competency assessment, just having a tool that can give you the same consistent evaluation for your different operators. We have several customers that actually use equipment, take all the operators they have in their organization, and evaluate them to understand, to do a benchmark, this is where operators are, and make a gap analysis, understanding what are the things that they needed to improve and the things that they do good, and giving them remedial training that can be either with the simulator or it can be either with the, um, their own trainers or their own training program. We have, we have some customers that did it with the simulator, the remedial training. Some others did it with their own training program. They took their own um, approach on how to remediate that gap. Um, I think this is one I'm going to share with you three that are the more accepted and, and, and this is one, the first one. I think this is the most, more popular one, which is um, I just want to make sure where my operators are and what are the things they need to work on um, in terms of their skill set. Um, now, I mentioned as well remediation training. Um, yes. So if customers have operators that have incidents, they can use the simulator in the remediation of the gap that may have contributed uh, on the behaviors of that operator to um, have the incident in the first place. So it's all about um, understanding what that gap is, and then if there is an incident, getting the, um, getting the operator in the machine and remediating the gap. So that's the second one. As I said, competency assessments, remediation training, and the last one, um, this, is, this is just getting traction. It's a recertification, recertification of operators. Please be aware I didn't say new operator certification. Um, I think you can find information um, in many sources that will tell you. I think one of the things that is accepted today is that even with the motion-based simulators that have very realistic scenarios and physics, um, there is nothing that will replace doing that first evaluation in the, um, in the actual machine. For new operators, you want to use the simulators as a, as a tool to make that new operator familiar with how to operate safely and how to get used to the, to the actual, um, uh, 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 you know, how the machine will behave with the different actions that they take, but you don't want to use the simulator for new operator training solely by itself. You want to use it as a combination of the solution for the new operator training. But for recertifications, I think there is, there is, um, there is a, a clear path that if the operator already, already is certified, it already went through training once, and he already had a 
physical uh, evaluation done in the equipment, uh, in a real equipment, then for recertification, it is viable to think um, it can be done in a combination between either online and online or instructor-led plus simulator. So that's the three ways that we have um, identified with the customers that they say, yeah, thank you for giving me all the list of possibilities, but if I'm going to invest my money to include simulators in the actual training program that I have, this is the, this is the problems I have, and I think these are the more um, the solutions I can see the most um, that this simulator is going to help me apply. So as I said, competency assessment for your current operators or people that joins your organization or the people visiting your workplace um, um, and to, to do contribute to your, to your work. Um, so that's one. As I said, the second one is, is remedial training that can come from, um, you know, competency assessments done in the simulator or by an instructor or coming from an accident, uh, incident that that operator may have. And the last one I mentioned is, um, as I said, a very promising one that, um, they, by the way, the International Power Access Federation, you know, for those that know the International Power Federation, um, just want to make sure everybody understands the mission of this uh, organization. It's a worldwide organization with the sole mission to ensure that there is high quality training um, delivered in the industry um, in terms of aerial training. They are just focusing aerial training, but their mission worldwide is to ensure that um, the industry has access to high quality training. I'm mentioning this because um, we worked together for the last six months, um, and then as a, a nonprofit third party, um, you know, with best practices on how to train, and they have actually they have actually approved the the MUP simulator um, methodology. We actually took the methodology on how to do the evaluations to the approved IPATH evaluations, and uh, now that that CISOR and MUP simulators are are approved to recertified recertified um, you know um, 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 learners. With a little disclaimer there, um, as IPATH is so concerned on so concerned on making sure that it's high quality training, the only people at this point that can actually be recertified with the simulators um, is uh, people that took their original new operator trainer with them or one of the uh, accepted training centers from MyPath. Um, William United Academy accepted tra training center from them and that's helping the process that we were trying to do, but we are not the only one. You can go to IPATH and you will see they have, they have plenty of them, especially in Europe, in Asia, and um, all the continents. The North America um, market is just, uh, is just an introduction to them for a few years. So with this, um, we'd like to have another poll. We would like to have another poll um, question. So you are looking at the screen now. What we would like to see if you can help us identify is after what we review right now, do you believe virtual reality 
can be used as a solution for the training needs in any given industry. Um, we're going to give you 30 seconds to, to answer, like we did before, and hopefully you can help us understand, and this is completely based on what you didn't know and what you know now. So with that, I'm going to just wait for another 10 seconds, and we are moving now to the answer. Oh, look at that. That's actually, that's actually great. Now we have 97%, 98% um, of the, those attending this webinar thinking that, yes, it can be a solution for training needs in any given industry. And we, I, I want to thank you for your time. And we are going to move now to the Q&A ses session. So, Barry, back to you. Great job, Bal. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your expertise with all of us today. We're going to let Bal take a little break, get a drink of water here. And I just want to remind our audience members uh, that you can go ahead and ask your questions of the speaker at any time. Simply type it into the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Uh, before we start the q and I also want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. Uh, the survey should be appearing on your screen right now. Your input is really important to us because it will help us improve future webcasts. If you do not see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. Uh, you may also access the survey by clicking on the survey button, and that's also located in the lower right part of your screen. So now let's get to some questions. And Bal, we've had a good amount of questions come here for you today. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask you is, um, one of our audience members wants to know, what's your advice to someone? You know, we saw in the results that 72% of our audience, they don't have experience with VR. What's your, what's your advice for someone who's never used it before and, and might be a little intimidated or nervous about using it? Thank you, Barry, for that question. I think uh, it's a great question from the audience. Um, I think the, the best advice I can give um, to anyone that is not familiar with uh, virtual reality is um, the first thing is, is starting from the value understanding the value of what you are trying to accomplish using virtual reality. I think uh, the second thing will be, once you understand what you are trying to accomplish, research the market of virtual reality um, products and understand how the virtual reality products that are out there match what you are trying to accomplish. Um, one mistake I have seen is that, you know, virtual reality, it's, it's, it's a great tool and I think it's, it's going to, we, all that we have been immersed on, this, on these solutions, it's, it's, it's going to change the way we train people, um, and more and more it's going to do that, and it's going to be accepted. But one big mistake of, of uh, startup companies or technology companies that, that are trying to push their product to the market is not to start by the voice of the customer. You've got to start thinking, what is the solution that, uh, to what problem? What is the problem that the majority of the customers have Listen to the customer and then go. So I'm, I'm trying to advise everybody out there that when you are looking for the right um, virtual reality solution for your, for your problems or, or what you are trying to improve, not necessarily problems, but what you are trying to make more efficient, make sure you do the homework to understand what is the background of that tool 
in terms of how did they go to market to understand what the customer really was trying to do. And I'm not disqualifying the fact that there is going to be some products that are like the, the iPhone, right? There are going to be some products that, that are like the Ford vehicle, right? Products that we didn't know that we wanted or we needed, and, and, and they actually changed our lives, right? If you ask people at the time of, uh, if Henry Ford had asked people, hey, um, um, so what do you need? What do you need uh, for transportation? Probably the answer he will get is uh, faster horses, right? He will not get the answer, um, a, 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 a vehicle, right? He will not be that. And probably if uh, Steve Jobs will ask about the, the cell phones, um, probably the answer will be different to what he actually designed and, and took to market. So uh, it's a long answer, um, but aiming to help those that are not familiar, the, the, best, the best way, like in everything, to, to um, actually experience virtual realities, start by understanding what you're looking for, and then um, match that with what is out there. Experience it. Go and test. And all these companies are going to do demos for you. Go and tell them to come and see you. Go to, um, you know, shows that are, that are related to these products. I think uh, as more as you actually touch it, feel it, experience it yourself, you're going to be in a better position to see what is the actual impact uh, for, your, for your need. I hope that answers, I, I hope to answer the question. Great. Thank you, Val. Um, we have a lot of audience questions coming in. This is terrific. We've got a lot of great questions. And, and Chuck from our audience asks, if you have, does OSHA, has OSHA weighed in on their acceptance of VR training and what does OSHA think about VR training? Well, that's a, that's a pretty good question. I uh, appreciate that Chuck is asking that. Because everything that we do um, obviously has, has a reason, right? Are we trying to prevent incidents? Um, because, because our company culture actually believes on that. But the reality is that there are companies that do it because their customers are asking them to do that. But there is other companies as well that do it because the regulatory bodies are saying you got to do that, right? So a combination between your own culture, your customers, and the regulatory bodies will, will really shape your, your safety culture. And I gotta say, it's really pleased, uh, pleasing to know by very good sources um, this year, um, we actually had the opportunity to interact with, with OSHA um, um, on, on the different things um, that we offer. And one of the things that we, that we were able to confirm is how much they are, they are eager of the evolving of the solutions to keep people safe at the workplace. And one of the confirmed things is uh, their appetite, appetite to have more game-based, more, more um, 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 innovative uh, training solutions that will, that will translate in pe people actually learning more and understanding more how to stay safe at the workplace. So um, without being able to quote anybody from, from the OSHA side, I, I would like to just say by what I have seen and hear um, of, um, and, and in very close um, um, proximity to this aspect with OSHA is that there is an appetite for uh, solutions that are technological solutions that will give a better outcome on the learning process for people. I hope that uh, that helped answer the question. 